Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. But Psalm 13, all right, Psalm 13 is where we're going to be. Um, another short psalm, but one that I feel like is extremely uh, valuable for where we are at right now as Christians and um, as a country and as a church and Lord, and Lord willing, probably where each of you are as an individual as well. So Psalm chapter number 13, let's begin reading in verse number one. We'll read the entire psalm. The Bible says this, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Kind of a a discouraging verse, huh? All right. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. That's not what kind of sleep you want, all right? Um, Lest mine enemies say... I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he he hath dealt bountifully with me. I want you to go back up and read verse number three out loud together with me. Verse number three. Ready, begin. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. You to go back and you don't have to read these out loud with me, but I want you to listen to verse 5 and 6 one more time. But I have trusted in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Let's talk for the next couple minutes about Psalm chapter number 13. We've titled it A Prayer in the Midst of Trouble. A prayer in the midst of trouble. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God who even when we may not be able to discern what you are doing, we can trust who you are. Lord, I pray that you would help these young adults to grasp onto some of these foundational principles of the Christian life. Lord, I firmly believe that this generation has the opportunity to see you do exactly what you want to do in our country. Lord, I believe that this generation has the capability of seeing revival. I believe that this generation has the capability of seeing a change and a turning in our country, change and a turning in churches. God, I pray that you would help them to see you for who you really are. May we praise you for what you've done, for what you're going to do. God, I ask you to give me wisdom as I speak, Lord, and you know that I am tired and weak today. And so, God, I ask that you would help me and Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. I think that if you look at really the landscape of Christianity and the landscape of churches and and most people's life, what you will find is that there are much more people that are having a difficult time than are having um, an undifficult time, if we want to use that phrase, okay? 
Um, there's a lot of negativity in the world. There's a lot of criticism in the world. There's a lot of stress in the world. I read a statistic the other day about stress that talked about how that close to 80% of the world say that they, that they have some sort of stress in their life, um, that they have something that they're struggling with. Just the, uh, yesterday, um, we were on a uh, ride with our kids. And the ride actually sent you to where you were back-to-back -back with the people that you wanted to ride with, and then you would be face-to-face -face with another group. And so there was this little boy, like the whole time we were standing in line, he was like, I don't want to ride it. I don't want to ride this. Like, and his mom's like, no, you're going to ride it. Like, and so so she, was, she was telling him that. And so we sit down, and uh, I'm sitting across from this kid that, like, I don't know. And he's just sitting there, and, like, they buckle him up. And he's like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, he's just, like, about, like, he's about to lose it. And the mom's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And he goes, and, like, I mean, he's probably, like, five, six years old. And he goes, oh, my goodness, I just have so much anxiety about this ride. And I'm like, why does a five-year-old know the word anxiety? Like, like that's that's unhealthy. And so, and I was like, and, like, the mom was not being super caring. Like, which, I mean, as a parent, I can kind of feel that. Like, you're just kind of like, just tough it out. Like, you're here to have fun. Like, have fun. And so, um, and I was like, man, it's going to be fun. I was like, you, I was like, if you get scared, just scream. That's what always helps me. And so, um, which it was funny because that ride was one of the ones that, like, you had to, like, it launched you up like around this turn and it didn't make it the first three times so it like started to like go back down and like i was like like i'm a 31 year old adult getting ready to turn 32 and i was like nah, all right like i'm not really feeling too confident about this now that we haven't made this first turn but i wasn't gonna so i'm like man it's gonna be fun like you're gonna have so and so when we pulled back in he was like <sighs> and like if you could have seen the ride like it was like like I, this, is, this is basically as exciting as going on a walk. Like, I mean, it wasn't like very thrilling at all. And like we pull back in and our little carts like wobble back to where he's facing me again. And I'm like, look, you survived. He was like, I hated it. I hated it. And I'm like, <laughs> but like I was sitting there and like when I heard him say, I have so much anxiety about this, right? It's like we've basically made stress, anxiety, depression, discouragement, however you want to classify those terms. We've made that common, haven't we? We've almost made it normal to the point to where if you're not stressed about something, people think you're weird, right? Like you, if you don't have something that you're like, oh my goodness, I, I'm so worked up over this. That's that's weird. Like if you sit down at a table and everyone starts to talk about like, oh my goodness, I'm so stressed about this. Oh my goodness, I'm so worried about this. And you're like, you know what? My life's good. Like I'm not worried about anything. And it's like, you, you're, you, what are you taking that we need to take, right? Like that's the way that we have built our society and our world. And as you come to Psalm chapter number 13, I think that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that David's not in a great place right now. He says, how long is this going to last? How long till I cannot even find God's face? Sometimes when you're in difficulty, we almost pray so much about the problems that we are facing that we fail to see what God is doing behind the scenes. We're just so focused on solving the problem. Lord, fix this. Lord, fix the issue. That we're failing to see the faithfulness of God maybe outside the issue. And so in Psalm chapter number 13, I want to really give you three prayers that are a part of this passage and a part of this psalm. And might I remind you that these are psalms. These are psalms. Sometimes I'll hear people say stuff like, well, I don't like psalms that are discouraging. I don't. The book of Psalms is a very discouraging book if you really read into it. Well, I don't like psalms that talk about people or psalms that talk about people's troubles. Like, I guarantee you that if we went across the room today, 
and we said, all right, how many of you have something that you just, you're kind of troubled about, you're worried about it? We, I mean, just even looking at prayer requests, we, we heard about financial things, we heard about moving situations, we heard about other stressful situations. I guarantee you that if we went through the room, that we would find someone who's like, no, like, I, I, I'm, I'm good right now, okay? But the majority of people in this room have something that you're like, this just doesn't feel right in my life. This is, there's something that's bothering me. There's something that I can't seem to put my finger on. There's something that's stressing me out. And here's where we're at as a society. I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday, okay? This generation in this room, young adults of this room and, and of other churches, you're facing many of the things of this world and this culture for the first time. You're the first generation that's having to learn how to walk with God in the midst of social media insanity, okay? You're the first generation that's having to learn to walk with God when it seems like that you have something in your pocket that's constantly distracting you. You're the first generation that's learning how to live the Christian life in the midst of some sort of political upheaval. You're the first generation that's learning how to have to do some of the things that we're doing. And that's not an excuse to be like, well, I'm just going to not do any of it. No, what I'm saying is you're going to make some mistakes. It's going to take you coming back to the Word of God and say, God, that didn't work, so I better tweak something else. God, I need to change this. Lord, I need your spirit to show me what I should do differently. And so I want to give you three prayers out of this passage that are in the midst of trouble. Three prayers out of this passage that are that David prays in the midst of trouble. First of all, is a prayer of questions. Is a prayer of questions. You want to know what I find the older I get and the more confusing that life gets? Is that my prayers sound a lot less like requests and more like questions normally not coming to God saying, Lord, this is what I need you to do because the truth is, is I don't even know what I need God to do. Okay? Anybody else ever been there? Like, you, like, like I know I need to pray about this, but I'm not even really sure what I'm asking God to do. Okay? I just need his help. And my prayers, the older I get, like I said, the more confusing that life and society get, they sound a lot less like requests and more like, Lord, I don't know what to do here. How should I handle this situation? How should I parent this child? How should I lead this group? How should I how should I try to fix this? Lord, this is a problem. What am I missing here? And sometimes there is prayers where you know exactly what you want God to do. But there's nothing wrong with coming to God and saying, God, I don't understand how this is supposed to work. God, would you show me what I'm supposed to do? God, would you show me your face? David asked multiple questions in these first two verses. Listen to, listen to them and see if you can identify with them. He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Does God ever forget us? But does sometimes it feel like God forgets us? Yes, absolutely. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? Like David's starting to think, like, is this just like the norm now for me? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Isn't it interesting that sometimes when we need the most answers from God is when we seem like we cannot discern his face? We cannot discern what he wants from us. How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? How long? And sometimes the way that our life works is we, we don't even really want necessarily anything to change. We just want to know that there's an end line, right? Most of us, it's not even that we can say, like, I, 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 can, I can handle this today, but I'm not sure how much longer I can handle this. I can, yes, Lord, you've given me strength for today, but I need a finish line. I need an end date. I need a stopping point. How long is this going to continue? 
And in those moments, here's what I would encourage you to do. There's nothing wrong with asking God the question. But what you must rely upon in those moments is the God of the question. You must rely upon who God is and maybe not upon what he's doing. Meaning this, that if you know that God is faithful, and even though you may not see it, you have to trust his character above his actions. You have to trust what he is doing, and even though you may not see it, you must trust him for who he is, not always for what he's doing. We are such a society and a culture that we have brought the success model of the world today into our Christian life. Basically, if God's not performing for me, then he must not be that great of a God. I want you to think about even your relationship with your parents or with, with your dad or maybe with, with a mentor or whatever. At the end of the day, you trust them for who they are, okay? We all heard the story about the, all the illustration about faith, that if, if you're a father and you've got a kid up there and you tell them to jump, they're going to jump not because they've seen you catch them a thousand times. Like, well, we've really practiced this. We've really worked on this, so now I need you to jump. No, they're trusting you because of who you are. Because of what they've seen in your track record. And here's what I want you to hear. Is that when God says jump, you are not promised that he's going to catch you because it's like, well, God, we've just worked on this for so long. So I just have this complete faith. I'm just going to trust fall into your arms. No, you're trusting him for who he is. You're trusting him because of what you've seen him do. You're trusting him because of his track record of faithfulness. You're trusting him because of his track record of goodness. Goodness. You're trusting him because you know that he loved you. You're trusting him because of your salvation. And if he was good enough to save your soul from hell, he's good enough to hold on to you in the midst of your difficulty. And so many times what we want is we want a God who we've, we've practiced falling into his arms. And, and then he said, all right, let's start with a small jump and then let's go to a big jump. And the truth is, is that sometimes you've got to jump just knowing who's on the other end, not the action that's on the other end. And when you have a prayer and a life that is just full of question marks, it's important that you don't stop asking the questions, but you rely and trust upon the God whom you are asking the question to. So first of all, there's a prayer of questions. Secondly, there's a prayer of understanding. There's a prayer of understanding. He says this, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. How many of you have ever been somewhere and like maybe you're maybe some like scenic out overlook or something like that and someone sees something that you can't see anybody ever been there like someone's like oh look at that like they're pointing or whatever all right my wife gives me a hard time because i'm like the type of person like when i drive like i don't i look at the road but i enjoy like seeing what's going on around me like oh there's a nice farm or like and it's just kind of like and so like i'll see like we'll be driving like we're going like 70 miles an hour down the interstate and i'm like Oh, kids, look at the horses, which is such a dad move. Like, it's like you never think you're going to turn into that person, but it just happens. Like, it's so natural, all right? And it's kind of enjoyable, too, all right? But I'm like, kids, look at the horses. Number one, they've seen horses. Like, I don't know. It's not like some exciting animal. Like, it's not like, oh, look at the Loch Ness Monster. This is a once-in-a-lifetime. Right? It's a horse. Like, they've seen horses before, all right? 
But I'm like, kids, look at the horse, and we're going 70 miles an hour, and there's two horses, and I'm and I'm saying it as I'm seeing it, and we're flying past it, and both Braxton and Baylor are like down there and they're like playing with something, and normally Braxton's the one who like 10 seconds later he's like, what? And I'm like, they're gone, like they're like it's over. The joy of the horse is gone. It's in the rearview mirror now. All right. But sometimes it's important to understand that there are people who see stuff that you would never see. I saw a meme the other day, and it was of a husband, and it, it was him standing there with a with a cabinet drawer, cabinet open, and he was looking into the cabinet, and it said, "Honey, where's the Tupperware?" And there's just like stacks and stacks of Tupperware, and then it says, "Also, my husband," and it's just like all this forest. And he goes, "Do you see that deer nine and a half miles over to the west?" All right, and like, and it's like, "Oh yeah, you can miss all of this, but you can like spot a deer in the middle of the woods, right?" <laughs> There are people who see stuff that you will never see. But God also sees stuff that you and I will never see nor understand. And David prays an interesting prayer that I don't know that I've ever noticed until this week when I was looking at this passage. He says, lighten my eyes. Help me to see something that I don't understand. Help me to get an answer that I wasn't looking for. Help me to maybe see stuff from your perspective. And he says, so that I do not sleep, lest I sleep the sleep of death. There's a lot of argument and conversation around that phrase in Psalm 13. Some people actually believe that that is a suicidal phrase in Psalm 13. That David is saying, help me to see a different perspective, lest I die. Lest I, I kill myself. Lest I see, lest I just give up on this life. You know what sometimes it takes when times get tough? I don't know where anyone is at in this in their life in this room. I know a little bit about what some of you are facing. But there comes a point to where it's important to pray a prayer where you say, God, help me to see something differently. Could it be that the reason why I'm having Maybe these depressing thoughts or, or this suicidal thought or, or just this stress. Could it be because I'm seeing something the wrong way? Lighten my eyes. Take off the blinders. So there's a prayer of questions. There's a prayer of understanding. But then lastly and most importantly, there's a prayer of praise. There's a prayer of praise. He says this. Verse number four, let's, let's set the context. He says, Let my enemies, lest my enemies say I've prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. He says, there, There's this outside pressure that people want to see me fail. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. There's a prayer of praise. I wish I could stand up here as a teacher or as some sort of preacher and say that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that all of your problems go away, okay? Honestly, those guys who get to preach that way have way bigger crowds and, and more money and all that stuff, okay? But biblically, I cannot do that. I don't think you can read the book of Psalms and just say, like, your troubles all go away. Even New Testament, yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Here's what I think that we miss so often. 
is that we come to God with these problems and with these questions and with maybe even asking him, Lord, help me to see something differently. Help me to have a different understanding of this problem, of this, of this situation. Help me to see it from your perspective. And we pray all the right things. But we never stop to actually look at what God has done. We never stop to praise him for what he has done and who he is. David says, I will praise you because thou hast dealt bountifully with me. Just this morning I was listening to a song and I was reminded of the song, Count Your Many Blessings, okay? We sing it all the time around Thanksgiving. The song that I was listening to today, I can't even remember the exact lyrics, but it basically said, when I look at all of my problems and I count them up, they're plenteous. But when I look at all of my blessings, they're too many to count. And here's what I would say that most of you struggle with on a day-to-day, week-to-week, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment basis. Is that you are so readily focused and you have in your mind the problem. Right? Well, this is what's wrong. If someone walked up to you and they were interviewing people on the streets and said, Hey, what's your three biggest problems right now? Most of you would be able to go, one, two, three, do you need seven more? Right? because I can list them for you. But if someone walked up to you and said, what's your three greatest blessings right now? Uh, oh, okay, well, I've got a house. I've got, well, but my house kind of has problems, so I know that, right, that's like a blessing and a curse. Like, I have a car, but, but squirrels chew through the gas line, so that's a problem, all right? Uh, I've got this, but I've got this, and I've got this. If most of us were honest, we could shoot off a ton of problems. But very rarely can we shoot off a long list of praises and blessings. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Okay, This is just practical application. I know many of you walk out of here and you will never once think again about the prayer of questions, the prayer of understanding, and the prayer of praise. Okay, That's why I quit, gave up on alliterating a long time ago. All right? But here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Every time that you think of a problem, think of two places. <coughs> every time, I have no clue what that is, okay? Um, every time that something begins to bother you, think of two things that have blessed you. You say, why two? Because I think it's important that we realize that the blessings far outweigh the burdens. That the praises far outweigh the problems. And then if I can come up with one problem, I should be able to come up with two praises. If I can come up with one burden, I should be able to come up with two blessings. That every time that, some, that Satan says, hey, you need to, you, you've got this to worry about. Don't forget about this. No, I've got this to praise God about. And what would begin to change in our life in troubled times with our perspective, with the situations that we're facing, if we stop just simply focusing on this is what's wrong, and we started simply focusing on this is what's right, this is what God has done, and this is who he is. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.